2: You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast, per usual. It is Drew, Josh, and Connor here, talking all things in this crazy world of MLS, talking about all the things that happened last week with Champions League, uh, some manager hirings within the league, and getting ready for the upcoming week, because Major League Soccer does not stop, and neither do we. So, excited for this episode, but before we get into a fun episode, I wanted to check in on you guys as... The holiday season is upon us. Josh, how how's it going for you so far?
3: It's going pretty well. Had a pretty good week since we last recorded. The Mandalorian season 2 ended this past Friday and you guys probably saw like reactions across social media and stuff. It was Yeah, it was it was all over the place and rightfully so. It was fantastic, really really great ending. Drew I know you are probably gonna start watching the second season soon if you haven't already, but you're in for a real treat. If you're a Star Wars fan, you'll love the second season. And uh, outside of that, the Falcons embarrassed us again. I don't know how they keep doing it. I really don't. It's it's like impressive, but also it's uh, so much pain, so much suffering. Like it's just. Uh, I, you and I got a coach though, so that's good. Hawks start uh regular season on Wednesday I'm super excited about that uh caught some college football over the weekend as well with their championship games I'm excited I guess to see Notre Dame get demolished in a big game again since that's like what they do so that should be good but I have plenty of other issues with that that we don't have to get into right now but Connor how was your week how are you doing
2: well, I'm officially done for the semester, so that's a huge positive, And I get to chill out until the 15th, I believe, is when we restart. Um, but that was a good feeling. I think one of the most successful semesters in terms of marks I've had ever, period, in any schooling. So that was great. Online school treated me well. Um, but... Yeah, just doing good. Got FIFA 21 and NHL 21, uh, one of which is going much better than the other, uh, considering I'm playing an NHL tournament with some university friends, and they actually played the game, and I started playing it uh, a week ago. So today I had, I lost one game 14 to 2. It's a football score. Oh, it gets better. Uh, I lost another game 14 to 1. Or no, I lost one game, fourteen nothing, fourteen to one, and then nine to two. My gosh! Yeah, so I'm doing really, really good so far. Um, one of the one of the guys' goals was to score fifteen on me, so I <laughs> held him to fourteen, and that was a huge success. Uh, but one of the guys had to drop out, so I'm automatically through to the playoff little section, where I will <laughs> promptly get destroyed again. Uh, but Yes, it's been an interesting few days and looking forward to Christmas in four days as of recording this, three days as of you listening to this. Um, But yeah, basketball starts tomorrow. So looking forward to basketball restarting. I did my fantasy draft, which was very interesting. Are either of you guys doing basketball fantasy this year? No, my draft is
3: tomorrow. I just lost to uh, one of our members moms in fantasy football so I'm out of the playoffs. Yeah. No, no, she has the best team. It's not even fair. Brenda, she's the strongest. I think you've talked about this before. He has. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so she just beat me. She she had a player score 2 points and another player score 1 point and she still scored 161 points total and beat <laughs> and beat me by about 30. So, dude, I, I, it's incredible. She's
2: That's embar- She's going to win. Borderline embarrassing wow
3: i i scored 130 points i did a great job i would have beat literally everybody else that week but not her because she is an unstoppable team
2: (laughs) Drew, are you doing fantasy basketball
1: i am my draft is tomorrow i am coming off defending champ of fantasy basketball and fantasy hockey and fantasy baseball dang man i suck at fantasy mls and fantasy football man i can't do it but see, the thing with fantasy basketball and baseball is like 95% of the battle is just making the changes. It's just waking up and like every day before I do anything, I like add a new pitcher to my fantasy baseball team. And as long as you do everything before noon, you win. So bull little <laughs> cheat code there for fantasy basketball and baseball. But yes, I am doing fantasy basketball. And I'm very excited about it.
2: Yeah, I had number nine pick in my 10 person league. I ended up getting Trey Young with that pick. So shout out you boys. Uh, I also picked up, yeah, I picked up uh, John Collins as well uh, in the third round, I think. Uh, Picked up LeBron in the second too. So hopefully the team's okay. Who's your first round? with
1: Trey Young, ninth overall, but not LeBron.
2: Yeah, he's not going to be very good this year in fantasy because he's going to sit a lot of games because Uh, of the condensed schedule.
3: uh, That makes sense.
2: But yes, I was close to not going with him but i decided to go with him and for some reason in yahoo fantasy he's a point guard shooting guard small forward so i'm not complaining about that and that's a plus but yeah i'm I'm commissioner this year so it's (laughs) i made a couple mistakes with the roster stuff which i had to fix last night um but yeah it's fun fantasy stuff we should talk about actually first we should find out drew how are you doing
1: I'm doing good. Um, I'm trying to think of what happened. Josh kinda hit all the Atlanta sports talk, so that was very unfortunate. I am also done with the semester, so I have been playing FIFA 19. I'm doing a manager mode with Newcastle, and I just started like today, and my whole mission is to win Champions League with Newcastle United. So that's gonna be fun. I've also been buying like old PlayStation 2 slash 3 video games. I bought um Tony Hawk, like Underground 2 yesterday for the ps3 for like five bucks so i've been in the super like middle school phase video games right now but it's been fun uh watched a lot of soccer european the whole nine yards so that's been cool watched champions league which was a crapshoot that second game um not the the yeah lafc versus club america's game was really fun which i'm sure we'll get more into later but like Connor said, we will get into our awesome episode, starting with our first segment, North Americans Abroad. Uh, first thing, a player we usually don't talk about, uh, Owen Otisawi, uh, got his first start for Wolves uh, against Burnley. He was subbed off after 60 minutes, um, but I think he appeared the, the match before that. I think he appeared he for the first time, but this was his first start.
2: Yeah, he came on as a sub. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I don't know. Did any of you guys watch him or like any thoughts about his play
2: or I did not personally watch him? Uh, Josh, did you watch? Yes.
1: I watched
3: his performance against Chelsea when he came on in the second half and he played pretty well. He technically got the assist on the equalizing goal to Daniel Podence, even though Podence really did it himself. So it's, it's just the stat. It's it it is how he didn't really contribute to it, but he played well. Uh, I mean, for them to throw him into a game and I think they were losing at that point when they put him on against Chelsea in like a huge game like that and for him to perform well was, was big. I didn't watch today's game against Burnley. Wolves lost two to one. From what I could gather, Otasaui didn't really play a big role in today's game. So hopefully <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully he can get a, a more consistent role and he can be another midfield slash defender option for the US going forward
1: yeah that's it's interesting because you no know, we really don't talk about him on the podcast but he's a premier league talent for the united states which is just like talking about how big this depth is that the united states has a player in the premier league for one of the better sides in the premier league and it doesn't really feel that his development is that vital for the men's national team which is really interesting but sticking in the premier league pulisic made two starts for chelsea this week uh seems to be that he is fully fit again which I know is a serious problem with him. It feels like he just stays hurt all the time, so seeing him get two starts this week was good. I watched a little bit of his game today, and he played pretty well. He almost had an assist, but Timo Werner kind of botched the chance a little bit, which sparked a lot of fun debate on Twitter. But he's playing really good. Um, And, yeah, uh, let's see, Timothy Weah scored for Lille, and Yunus Musa scored for Valencia, both in stoppage times and those teams. Which leads us to a interesting talk um, about Lille in France. That they are in pretty serious financial trouble right now. And I think they're starting to sell players to kind of get them out of this little rut that they're in in Lille. And I think they're still top of the table in France. So they're just in a really interesting situation. So I guess Connor will ask you since Jonathan David, you're Canadian, one of the best um, do you want Jonathan David to go anywhere? Do you think he's going to go anywhere? Like how do you want Lille to handle Jonathan David with all the financial issues that they're having right now?
2: It kind of sucks with the timing of it. Cause he's just started to have a bit of success with Lille. Um, and I think moving clubs this quickly wouldn't be amazing for him. Um, but at the same time, Lille are not doing very well, as you mentioned financially. So I don't know if you want to be around an environment like that, especially at his age. Um, It might be better for him to just move to another small Liga or Bundesliga uh, club to really get a lot of minutes and have some more success, I think, Uh, because I don't think he's been used as much as he should have been by the players around him in certain attacks. Like this weekend, there was a very easy opportunity to give him the ball to continue an attack, but the player instead decided to keep it. Um, and I think moving to a club where he would be more the main piece in a big league would be more beneficial for him. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want him going to a Schalke who woof, Um but I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation because wheel was a good fit, but at the same time, it's such a messed up club right now. I don't know if he should be staying there. It's a really tough decision, honestly,
1: yeah, and kind of on that same front, Josh, obviously, Timothy Wea is in the same situation, so how do you want how do you think Leal should approach Timothy Weer right now? Should they sell him if where how do you want Leal to deal with Timothy Weah with all this going on in the club?
3: It's a really similar situation to David actually because. Just like Jonathan David is starting to get a little bit of success, so is um, Timo Weah. I mean, he's finally finally starting to score a couple goals. He scored on Tuesday this past week for Lille in stoppage time to help seal a 2-0 two, victory. So he's starting to break in and get some minutes, especially after basically spending all of last year injured, his first year with Lille. But as far as where I want him to go and where I think – where Jonathan David should go as well, is I think these guys should go to the Bundesliga. Hopefully, I don't necessarily see either of them going to like a Bayern Munich or Dortmund, but maybe Leipzig or Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Those seem like some possible good fits for them. Maybe if they want, uh, they could go to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach with Marco Rosa as well. So I would love to see these guys go into Germany where they can get consistent minutes and develop properly. And Germany is probably the best place to do that.
2: Leipzig were a real option this offseason as well. Uh, I believe he was being linked there as a Timo Werner replacement, Jonathan David. Uh, so I, guess, I don't think they brought in another striker, did they?
3: Talking about Leipzig? Yeah. They. What about the player they just got from Salzburg? Is that, or is that an attacking midfielder? I don't know how to pronounce that. I name. believe
2: Sibol Zabalaya or Zabolski or something like that. It's he's like an SZ name, so I don't know how to say yeah. it. But I believe he's a central midfielder. Okay, so that's or some not, a sort striker, midfielder.
3: not striker help. No. Another another aspect of this too is Jonathan David kind of has to go to a bigger ish club because of how much he's worth right now. I mean, Lil just spent, was it thirty million or even more than that? They spent a lot 25, of money. Twenty five, I think. Yeah, see that's twenty five. That's a pretty decent sum. So a club of a certain stature, like, you know, Schalke is not going to go buy Jonathan David. They can't afford him right now. Now someone like Timothy Weah, he is, I think he was sold to Lille for about seven or 8 million from PSG a couple years ago. So his value has probably dropped a little bit since he hasn't really played because of injury. So he's probably about a four or $5 million player at this point. So I don't know exactly where these guys can end up, but They need to get out of France because things are looking really dire as far as finances go for most of the clubs in that league. And I just think Germany is the best option for these guys in developing them as players, especially while they're still so young.
2: So the only striker, I'm just looking at the footband for FIFA um, because it was very quick, but the only strikers that they have are they've used Emil Forsberg at center forward. I don't really think that's an option. Yusuf Pous- uh, Poulsen is an option. Alexander Sorloth, uh, I believe. And He-Chang Huang as well are the three strikers they have, as well as jean Kevin Augustin. Uh, although I think he might have moved. Let's check his FIFA cards. He has moved. He's moved to the French League. Um, so he... I think he'd probably start, but it'd be an interesting situation. I don't know how good of a financial position Leipzig are in right now. Uh, That would be an interesting statistic to see in terms of whether or not they're financially doing well. I assume they are because they're owned by Red Bull, Um, but you never know. Um, But yeah, I'd love for David to end up in the Bundesliga I think that's where he should play. I think that's where he should have gone this past off season. Uh, and I think Leo might have to take a loss on him to be honest. Like, I don't think he's going to go for 25 million again. I think he'll be 20 high teens sort of thing because he hasn't been as successful as he was at gank, uh, in Liga, especially this season.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. And honestly, I didn't know Leo was in a financial situation until someone threw it in the outline, but we'll see where those guys go. Um, Sticking in France, uh, Giochini, another U.S. player, scored for Con on Friday. I think they're in League 2, the second division of the French League. Um, I don't think they're necessarily killing it in that league, but still good to see him scoring goals. Um, <clears throat> So that wraps up our fun men's section of the North Americans abroad, scoring goals. Uh, we had a couple of transfers on the women's side today. Uh, women's National Team star Alex Morgan announced that she was, well, I guess the club announced, made it official, that she was leaving Tottenham after the first half of the WSL season, and she was coming back to the NWSL, joining the Orlando Pride. Uh, she got like five games in, and I think she scored two goals in those five games. So she's kind of dominating, and really good to see her coming back. It's her her staying fit over after just having a baby. Being able to do that and then go to England and dominate is pretty phenomenal. Uh, Moving to the Canadians, uh, Connor Stephanie LeBay is moving to a Swedish club, FC Rosengard, leaving the North Carolina Courage. So she will be leaving the NWSL um, and going to Sweden. Um, I think she started for Canada in the Women's World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's her and Kaylin Sheridan are kind of holding it down there in Canada goalkeeper land. But she's off to Sweden. And getting into some awards that were announced. um, Sticking with women, Sam Uess won Best U.S. Women's National Team Player of the Year Award. Because she's kind of, even more than Alex Morgan, she's tearing it up with Manchester City. Bron in the WSL. uh, Weston McKinney won the U.S. Men's National Team Player of the Year Award because he's tearing up with Juventus. And Alfonso Davies was announced to the FIFA Best 11 at left back. Which... Was pretty. Not, I was. I guess I wasn't surprised. but That's just crazy to see an MLS player given that recognition. Connor, what did you think about Davies getting that nod at left back on the FIFA Pro Eleven team?
2: It's incredible. He's the third non-South uh, American or European to be named to that lineup in history. Behind, I believe it was Drogba and Samuel Eto'o. It's a
1: good company to be in.
2: Yeah. So, and he's doing this at the age of twenty which is just insane. It's unheard of. Um, so to have a Canadian on that list is unbelievably cool. Uh, and I could only see him going up. Like he's just so, so good. I can't say enough good things about him. Like he's an amazing person. He seems like one of the most fun people to be around too from his social media and other people's social media is with him there. Um, He's an unbelievable talent. His pace is off the charts, um, but I—it's huge. It's huge. It's huge for not only Canadian soccer, it's huge for North American soccer, like not just the U.S. but like all of CONCACAF. And yes, I'm including Mexico on this list because they've had—they've never had a player on that list. And to say a Canadian was the first player in CONCACAF to be named to the FIFA Best Eleven. Is incredible, especially when you look at his competition, like Jordi Alba, Alex Sandro, Andrew Robertson. It's nuts. Um, and it makes you feel very good if you're a Canadian, um, because it's just absolutely incredible what he's been able to do. And to, I want to add a little bit to your NWSL thing. Bring a team to Toronto, please. Thank you. That'd be great. Uh, we want one here. MLSE. I highly doubt you're listening to this, but if you are, bring a team to Toronto because you should, and you have no women's sports yet. And this is a prime opportunity. So do it. Uh, but I don't know if either of you have anything you want to add to the McKenney Mewis discussion. Cause if not, we should move on to the LA Galaxy's Kyle Beckerman. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, RSLs, kyle beckerman if you don't get that joke go back and listen to it uh all of our episodes because i'm not going to tell you which one it happened in. uh <laughs> but yeah he's retiring from mls following a 498 regular season matches uh which is the most of all time played for 21 seasons which is longer than i've been alive uh with miami fusion colorado rapids and rsl he has 58 caps for the u.s and played in the 2014 world cup in brazil which is the last world cup of the u.s we're in and i'm going to remind these guys of that because i just want to dig a knife a little bit deeper on that not qualifying for the world cup in 2018 uh but what do you guys think about this kyle beckerman retirement do you think this is a good time for him
3: yeah i think this is a good time for him his contract just ran out with rsl and i mean guys played long enough i think uh, he wasn't really starting much for RSL much last year, which again makes sense. He's he's put in his time. As for your little dig about the 2018 World Cup, irrelevant because Beckerman stopped playing for the national team in 2016.
1: Thank you, Drew.
2: <laughs> the sass.
1: That was a very smooth transition. Um And following that 2018 lack of World Cup, the women won a World Cup. So I think I'm just fine with not <laughs> qualifying in 2018. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's like, he, yeah, he's played in a crap ton of games. He's an MLS lifer, one of the best in the league to do it. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of him in that 2014 World Cup. The only memories that come to mind are John Brooks' goal against Ghana and Jermaine Jones, that world he had against Portugal, which the United States then proceeded to blow that lead like at the last second, which was a rough game. But yeah, I mean, he's one of the legends in MLS. I um, He's like 38, I think he's like nearing 40. Yeah, he's 38 and he's in that midfield role. So it's, I mean, it's about time, right? One of the best to ever do it. Um, So it was just, eventually it was gonna happen and it happened today. So obviously MLS is losing one of its, Legends. Maybe he goes into coaching after this. I don't know what he's looking like. I feel I would very much like to see him. Maybe like a youth role. Maybe like RSL hire him as like a U something coach. That'd be interesting. But yeah, that was announced today, and obviously a Major League Soccer legend and just a U.S. soccer legend in general. Um, but going away from players leaving their team to players getting selected to join their new teams. Uh, Austin FC made its five expansion draft picks. Uh, just after we made our predictions on who we would draft if we were Austin FC. And we got three out of five right guys. I think that's pretty darn impressive. Out of three of us, we each got one right. So I think we're we're on the knocking door to be the next Matthew McConaughey of Sandy Springs United or something, the next MLS team. I
2: was so upset that he wasn't a part of that draft. Why didn't they have him there? Come on, just use his voice. It would have been incredible. Just another missed opportunity by MLS.
1: Yeah, after um, I watched an interview with him, and he's just phenomenal. So big Matthew McConaughey fans here on the podcast. Um, but Austin FC made their five expansion draft picks. Uh, Danny Hosen, a forward from San Jose, Jared Stroud, a midfielder from the New York Red Bulls, Kamal Miller, which they then traded to Montreal, which I think Connor, you even called that part, he didn't you? Right. But you, I think you, want to, you wanted Toronto to
2: get him, he, I did want Toronto. pretty to close.
3: He did mention Montreal in the same breath, though, so he,
1: he knew what was coming.
2: Well, it, there's only two Canadian points. teams, so...
1: What? Let's let's take a step. Alfonso Davies is from the Whitecaps, and you He's, were just hyping him up. Let's take a step back. Here. Okay,
2: so the Whitecaps are going to bring in another left back with Gutierrez and Adnan already at left back.
1: Oh,
3: come on.
2: Ali Adnan's I'm not saying. a left back. Who are we kidding? They play him like it. <laughs> we know he isn't a left back, but they play him like it.
3: Hey, this is this is twenty twenty formations or positions don't exist in soccer anymore.
2: Oh God! Okay, just keep going with the pick so I can get mad at Joe Corona. Uh,
1: Joe Corona, which is Josh's pick. Joe Corona, Um, Corona deserves another chance, folks, and he got his (laughs) chance with Austin FC. And Brady Scott, um, a goalkeeper. And this was the big one, which I got Jared Stroud correct. Jared Stroud was my pick after we figured out that I broke the rules and picked two Orlando players. I kind of (laughs) stuck for one. And I go, hey, that's how you do it.
2: Um, Was it your other one, Kamal Miller, though?
1: I think so, which I honestly, yeah, he was my other Orlando player. But I'll give you credit on that one. I think I just copy and paste it
2: from your list. You're going to get one right either way.
1: Yeah, there we go. So we we each got one right. But this was a move I don't think any of us saw coming. Uh, Austin FC... Traded up, up to one point twenty five million in general allocation money. I think it was seven hundred fifty thousand straight up, but five hundred thousand based on incentives to NYCFC in exchange for Alexander Ring, one of the best midfielders in MLS. I think pretty dang good player. What did you guys think when that news dropped? Like how? What did? Because that was pretty big news. I wasn't expecting it, Josh. What did you think about Ring going to Austin FC?
3: Personally, I didn't really think too much of it. That being said, I, 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 just, I just don't know Alexander Ring that well. Connor, you're giving me this look. I just don't know him that well as a player. I know he's good, but personally, I just like... He, it's because he plays that kind of midfield position where nobody notices. Unless you like make an effort to notice. Like Nagby for most of his career. Like Even during his time in Atlanta, he just you, you don't notice him on the field that often but that's also a compliment for a midfielder because that means they're not messing up or playing poorly. So ring is good. Personally, I, I wasn't like super, I didn't have a strong opinion about it. That being said, like Twitter in general, just people that know more than me about it. were very excited about this move. I like the move in the context of the picks Austin made and the players they already had on the roster. They're up to like uh, 13 or 14 players now and they'll, they'll have a couple draft picks they still have tons of international roster slots left so they have so much flexibility with the roster getting a player like alex ring is really good he's going to bring even more experience to that midfield in which you you've already got joe corona you've already got i think cecilia dominguez their only dp player sign right now is also a midfielder so this is shaping up to be a pretty stellar team so i think it's a great move for austin
2: and on the contrary, not a good move for NYCFC. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but
3: I I, I can see that point of view. I you got to look though. They have Keaton Parks and James Sands, two young players that have. They, to me, this just signals that NYCFC trusts the players they already have if they're willing to give up Ring. That I mean, but they also got a decent chunk of money in exchange, so it's not like they gave him away for nothing. So, but I, I this could also backfire on them tremendously
2: he's their captain and i'm not a huge fan of training your captain personally especially after you just lost mitria
3: i don't think mitrito is that big of a player for them
2: still he's one of your good players like and you look at how they've rebuilt it since the david Villa leaving Pirlo leaving uh even frank lampard leaving they don't have much left. They, I believe they're letting Gary Mackay Stevens leave. He was a pretty solid player for them. I would be worried about NYCFC if I'm an NYCFC fan. Like, I don't think they have much left. Honestly. They got to make some serious moves this offseason if they want to compete next year.
3: If there's any team that I, I'm not worried about acquiring talent, it's NYCFC because they have that city scouting network. So that's true. They, I mean, at the end of the day, like they're going to go out and they're going to get players, but you're right, Mo- moving a captain is a big deal. I also, I think it's fair to point out, the last time one of the New York teams traded away their captain, I mean, they were fine. Red Bulls got rid of Dax McCarty. It was a big deal at the time, and they won Supporter Shield not that year, but the following year. So they might know what they're doing. They might. But again, I think this could also backfire.
1: And also, NYCFC have two designated player spots open and a couple international spots, and obviously, now a pretty solid load of general allocation money. So, I think to Connor's point, this is going to be a really fun offseason for NYCFC because they have the money, they have the spots. Like Josh said, they have the scouting network better than anyone in MLS. So, I think NYCFC fans just need to be anticipating a pretty crazy offseason. Um, but losing a player like Ring, obviously a big deal, but Austin FC getting him, really excited to see them in their expansion year. But moving right along to other player moves in MLS, another one with Hold up, wait money. a second.
2: I didn't get to rant about Joe Corona yet. I need to rant about Corona.
1: Oh, hey, rant about Corona, man. I'm all ears. Stupid yours.
2: pick. I've said it before. I will say it again. Stupid pick. Wait three days and take him in the re-entry draft. Like, there were three players taken in the re-entry draft. Why don't they just take him? It makes no sense to me. And they had the number one pick. And they didn't use it. They traded it to Atlanta for quite a bit, granted. But they could have just used it on Joe Corona if they wanted to. You had other very good midfield options available. I don't get this move. I will say it again. I will say it continuously. Please, Joe Corona, try to prove me wrong, but I don't think you will because I don't think this is a good use of their pick. Honestly. And Brady Scott, if he's your goalkeeper going into the next season, good luck. Uh, you're putting a lot of faith in a 21-year-old who was the third string on Nashville. But, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of these picks, to be honest. Like, I like the Kamal Miller thing. I like the fact that they traded him. Uh, I think getting 225k in GAM and the 11th pick in the Super Draft, huge. But, I I can understand Stroud as well. Hosen? Hosen? Really? You're going to take the backup striker for San Jose? Really? It makes no sense. There are better attacking options. Josh, you took um, CJ Sapong. Even he would be a better option, in my opinion, than Danny Hosen. Like, I think Austin could have done better in this draft, honestly. There was better talent, more talent available that they just didn't take. And I don't understand why they didn't take it, honestly. Um, And Corona being the chief issue I have with all of their picks very clearly, I get not taking someone like a wheel trap if you were going to acquire Alex Ring because they play a very similar position, but still, like, I don't know about Corona as a pick, I don't think that's great, honestly. Um, but props to Josh for getting that because I never would have called him an LA Galaxy player being taken by Austin after the season that they just had him, him being an,
3: him being a galaxy player is exactly why I would take him because on like they had talented players. That's never been an issue for LA galaxy. They just had an incompetent front office and an incompetent coaching staff in place. So of course he wasn't going to play well. Also, he had the battle for playing time with players like Sasha collection, Jonah, Dos Santos, uh, Sebastian, let among others, so it at the time, I thought it was a decent move. It wasn't because it didn't fit with the rest of their midfield, but Austin is starting from scratch, so they know what they want at this I point.
2: I can't wait to see him prove me wrong, but I don't think he will because I don't like that pick personally, and he's, what, 28? So you're taking a flyer on a 28-year-old who's never done anything.
3: I wouldn't say... Playing for years for Club America is doing nothing.
2: He played for Club America.
3: Yes. Where do you think that Galaxy? I got had
2: him no from? idea. Honestly,
3: he is not a bad player. by By any means, he he also played for Tijuana for nine years, and was loaned to America during that time. So.
2: I still don't think you take a player who struggled for playing time on this LA galaxy team, but if you think he's going to be talented, if you think he's going to be successful, sure. I just wouldn't personally do it. I thought there were better players available and I thought you could have done something very similar to what you did with Kamal Miller with uh, Derek Cornelius and gotten something big from Toronto or Montreal or held him from for ransom from Vancouver. To try to get them to acquire him again, and pick somebody else up. But yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of these moves personally. But were you guys fans of this next move, which was Jordy George? What is that first name? George Georgie Georgi Okay, I could do the Mihailovich, Uh but having two DJs next to each other in a name—just pretend they're G's, okay? Like Djibouti. Georgi Uh traded. <laughs> mihailovich I did that just to bug you. <laughs> mihailovich <laughs> traded from oh, okay. Chicago <laughs> to Montreal for 800,000 in GAM which can be up to 1 million dollars. Thoughts on this move from Col- Chicago's and Montreal's perspectives.
3: I'll do Montreal's perspective. This is extremely intriguing to me because Georgi Mihailovic, he got a lot of playing time with the U.S. Men's National Team about two years ago, like right before they got Berhalter. It was kind of in that transition period. They gave Mihailovic a run of games, and he was starting to get some some consistent playing time in Chicago. And then I think he had a season-ending injury last year, missed a lot of that season, and then flew under the radar this year because Chicago, for the most part, flew under the radar. But they just had so much roster turnover that not many people paid attention to them. What intrigues me about this is the fact that Thierry Henry wants Georgi Mihailovic, so I think that means something. And then the other interesting aspect of this to me is how much money they spent on him. So I like, to, I like to compare these MLS trades to what I consider one of the biggest trades at the time, and that's when Atlanta got Darlington Agby for about a million in allocation money. That that at the time was a very large sum. I think it was the biggest interleague signing. So for it's only been two years since that trade was made. So for Montreal to spend just about as much on Georgie Mihailovich as Atlanta did on Darlington Agby, I think is interesting. The same thing goes for Alexander Ring being traded to Austin for seven hundred and fifty K and possibly, you know, so much more of that. Sixty seven percent more than that. So them spending the money is is intriguing and i think there are also s- reports that he's going to be a tam on, on a tam contract for montreal which is also really interesting to me so they they highly rate Mihailovic, and i'm excited to see what henri's plans are for him
2: do you think this is a move bologna or bologna told montreal to make
3: that is a very interesting aspect that i hadn't considered and i think that's a i would say that's a strong possibility they might be Lining him up to join them in some time.
2: When I first saw the move, that's what I thought, because that's a lot of money to spend on a player, and especially an interleague player. And I think there's going to be some sort of deal next January if Mihailovic is successful in Montreal, where he ends up in Europe. I think this is a deal where Bologna or Bologna, I can't remember how to say it. <laughs> sort of whispered in Montreal's ear and said, you should pick this guy up because we're going to want him next summer and we'll give you basically what you made back to acquire him next year. It's what I personally think. Drew, what do you think about this deal?
1: Yeah. um, I think when I was reading up on it in Montreal's sporting director, was talking about because everything rises with the price tag and how it's a lot for interleague transfer, but he made the comparison. He said something along the lines of if this was like buying a player from South America or something like that, like no one would turn an ear at it. That's just like a normal transfer fee. But because it's interleague transfer, it's raising eyebrows like a million. This is crazy. This is a lot, which is like interesting and talks about how highly they rate this guy if they're comparing his signing from Chicago fire as if it were a DP or something coming from Argentina or something like that. So the fact that he's comparing Mihailović's signing from the fire to like a DP signing, he's talking about how good he expects him, him to be. And I think Josh makes an interesting comparison with Nagby in Atlanta. Like, I think that signing turned out pretty well. He was one of the, he's a really good player, won MLS Cup. It worked out pretty well. So maybe Montreal's expecting something like that out of this guy. Uh, he's pretty young. I don't know how old he is exactly. But... It's no one really looked at him with Chicago. Chicago is just so bad, and I have no idea where Chicago go from here because it's just a fire of a franchise, pun intended. But I don't know how Chicago. This is like the only promising thing when I think of Chicago Fire. This is the only thing good in the world I thought about them. Um, so I don't know where they go from here. Maybe they're just you, they have more money. I guess is a positive way to look at it. Maybe they're going to plan on spinning that. But I'm just it was interesting to hear Montreal talk about Mihailovic in that way, as if he was a designated player coming from Argentina or something like that.
2: What position does he play?
3: He plays a midfielder, usually like a center mid, but he, I think they sort of settled on a winger role at Chicago to where he played like left wing and then drifted inside to help create chances.
2: I wonder if this is the tight air Boyan replacement. That's what they consider him to be. Because they do need to find a replacement for him. Uh, And they still need a striker, uh, which hopefully they address this offseason. But I did want to ask you, because we didn't put this in the doc, but I think I should ask you about this. What do you think about both the Fire and Montreal's rebrands?
1: I don't know a whole lot about the Fire, honestly, anything at this point, because I am not a fan of the Fire's logo. Um, Montreal, from what I've heard, it's going to be like Montreal City SC, or something horrendous like that, which is the most MLS thing ever. And to the Vancouver Whitecaps, please don't change your name. It's the only cool thing in Canada right now. So I, I'm not a fan of the rebrand. I don't know what Chicago's doing, but anything beside that terrible crest is fine with me. But I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know Montreal's going with like something boring.
2: Chicago's rebrand is redoing the badge, I believe.
1: So they're sticking with the fire. Yeah, yes. yeah, they're not. Cha- OK, I was wondering. Yeah, that's what very we're talking good. About I enjoy comment. that. Yeah.
3: That, so there's the whole Chicago thing is excellent because this means the ownership are listening to their fans because they changed the, the badge and the fans are like, no, like this is literally garbage. What are you doing? And then the owners are like, OK, fine, just give us a year because of all the production stuff. We'll get you a new one. So I'm glad they listened. Hopefully they don't mess it up again. As for Montreal, it's just a bummer. I didn't think there was anything wrong with calling them the impact. It wasn't even that prominent in any of their branding or, you know, any of the teams. So for them to believe the reporters are dropping it, what, Montreal FC, they're just like dropping the impact. It's just, it sucks. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Like, like Drew said, like, let's keep white caps. Like keep, let's keep the sounders, the timbers, please. New England revolution. Do not change your crest. Maybe you can update it, but, like, let's keep the general shape and the general colors, like, please, you don't have to change. You don't have to change.
2: It's especially disappointing with the amount of history that the Montreal Impact name has because it's been around longer than MLS has been around. So to see them lose that is unfortunate, and I wish they didn't do that. And everything I've seen is people don't want them to do that. So we'll see whether or not they back out of it. uh, But... It is unfortunate and it is disappointing. Let's talk about the re-entry draft because this is something you boys can talk about quite a bit. Uh, mainly because Atlanta traded up for the first spot uh, with Austin to select left back Andrew Gutman, who's currently on loan from Celtic. I uh, played for Cincinnati other picks i guess in the re-entry draft there are only two more lafc selected raheem edwards canadian uh i believe this might be the third time he's been selected in the re-entry draft so i feel bad for raheem edwards but he's getting to see all of north america considering it was toronto (laughs) then chicago then i want to say he stopped in atlanta maybe or somewhere in that area um i can't remember where he stopped but now he's going all the way to LAFC. So he's touring the country. Um, but hopefully he gets another opportunity. And then Sporting KC selected goalkeeper Kendall McIntosh, McIntosh, McIntosh. God, I'm Scottish. I just don't know how to say this. McIntosh um, from Portland. What do you guys think about these selections? I assume you're only going to talk about Andrew Gutman.
1: Um. Actually, I mean, I guess kind of. Yeah, I'll talk about Andrew Gutman. Um, I going into the draft, I thought the team's biggest needs were at fullback and defensive midfielder, and they acknowledged that with Andrew Gutman. Now there had there was a tweet that he is he was on the move. That tweet has since been deleted. So I don't know what the heck's going on with this guy. Um. But yeah, I mean, they addressed the fullback situation. Um. Yeah, I had no idea who this guy was. I think I said in the Slack, I don't trust anyone that played for FC Cincinnati, but we'll see where it goes. I think he's pretty young. He is American, so that international slot doesn't have a whole lot. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about Raheem Edwards. The only thing I really have to say about Kendall McIntosh is that maybe he is the Tim Melia replacement, because I think Tim Melia is getting pretty old. And Josh has not said no, but I think Macintosh isn't that old, and Melia's getting old, so maybe in a couple of years when Melia stops saving penalty kicks like there's no tomorrow, maybe Macintosh gets a chance to step in there.
3: McIntosh has yet to appear in an MLS game, so I doubt he is being considered as Melia replacement. That being said, Melia used to be the pool goalkeeper. You guys know what that is in the league, right? He's a little emergency goalkeeper option for everybody. Emilio used to be the pool goalkeeper before he finally got his time at uh, Sporting Kansas City. I think McIntosh used to be a, goal, a pool goalkeeper, so it's funny you mentioned that he might be a Amelia replacement because it kind of sounds like these guys have similar stories. But yeah, I don't have much to say about his selection with Sporting Kansas City or Raheem Edwards at LAFC. Uh, I don't, I don't know too much about Edwards. If he's got some potential, I have a feeling Bob Bradley can get that out of him. He can definitely coach him up. Bradley is a great coach for all kinds of players. You look at like Mark Anthony Kay coming from what was it, Louisville, coming from the second division, and we all know what's happened with him. So potentially I could see Bob Bradley doing something with Raheem Edwards. As for Andrew Gutman, depth, good depth for Atlanta. Young enough to continue to push George Bellow. As he possibly gets ready for a move to Germany, some reports coming out about that today. But yeah, just good, good depth signing from Gutman. and I don't expect that we'll see too much from him. Hopefully not. But uh, yeah, just a, just addressing a knee, like Drew said, that's one of Atlanta's biggest needs right now.
2: All right, I've pulled up Raheem Edwards, his transfer history. This is very interesting. Started off with Toronto. In the in the draft of 2017, he was taken by LAFC. LAFC then transferred him to Montreal. Montreal then transferred him to Chicago. Chicago then transferred him to Minnesota. And then finally, Minnesota had him taken in the re-entry draft again by LAFC. So this is his second time in LA. Uh, he's a wide midfielder. He can play left back, left wing, left midfield. Um, I remember him playing left back with Toronto and he wasn't terrible. Like he was okay. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see where he plays and it's going to be very interesting to see where George Bello ends up uh, because losing him would be a big blow to Atlanta in my opinion. You guys agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he was one of, if not probably one of the only bright spots in the season, a uh, young player obviously talking Young U.S. National Team prospects. He's in that conversation as well. Um, promising left back. But I mean, I, this is kind of part of Atlanta's thing, right? Is selling players to Europe and making profit off of them. I don't know how exactly it would work because I think he's a homegrown so they're not paying these transfer fees from South America or anything like that. So it's a little different. But I mean, from an Atlanta perspective, it would not be good because he is very good and is very exciting especially with a new manager. I think he might be have even more potential to be exposed to MLS. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting because from the U.S. Men's national team perspective, you obviously want to see him playing in the best leagues in the world. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of part of the system that Atlanta has, selling young players to Europe when they're ready for the right price. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot on it. I don't know who he's linked to in Germany, whether it's a lower side in the Bundesliga, maybe in the Bundesliga 2, I think is the name of the second division in Germany. So it'd be interesting. Um, Maybe they have more plans for Goodman than we think as far as playing time goes. Or maybe they're not done with it. I know Heinze, um, which we'll talk about more in a second, has already talked about prospects he has as he comes into Atlanta. So maybe they knew about this for a while and they're working on getting a replacement. Or maybe he's staying in MLS and this is all... This is all just a big rumor, so I don't know. I um, don't have a whole lot of feelings. So I don't know a whole lot about Bello's rumor to Germany. I did see that tweet, though, today. Josh, what do you think about Bello potentially being linked to going to Germany?
3: Selfishly, I hope it doesn't happen. I do hope he gets a year under Gabriel Heinze. I think he would be great in the system. I think he would learn a lot uh, from from Heinze. So I, I hope he stays, at least for the year, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm sure Atlanta will want him to stay for the year as well. I don't think it would hurt his development because, you know, he's he's almost kind of a year behind. He was supposed to play for most of 2019, dealt with injuries all year, finally got a good run of games this year, but they didn't even play a full season, and we all know how crazy everything was, and Atlanta was just absolutely dreadful. So I, I would like to see Bello get one good, consistent year under his belt in Atlanta before he goes off somewhere else that being said if he wants to leave and he thinks it's the best move for him then i i just hope you know it doesn't get messy or anything and the club doesn't try to stop him not that i think it will or anything just it's all it's always a possibility and i hope he stays for the year
2: another transfer uh that happened that we should mention uh the Vancouver Whitecaps announced today that the club has acquired a 2021 international roster spot from Nashville SC to in exchange for 175000 in 2021 GAM. Interesting decision because Vancouver now have 10 international roster spots with, uh, I believe they had one or two already open uh, before this transfer. So why do you think Vancouver did this? Do you think there's a big move coming for them?
3: I think it's safe to assume that they've got some international players that they want to bring in. I personally, I don't really care because they have a really bad track record right now of signing players and getting anything to work up there in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm just going to wait and see, I guess, what kind of players they get. I just hope that they do the right thing and they Come together with a concrete plan because I really like Mark Dos Santos and I don't want to see him fail. And it kind of feels like his club is setting him up for failure. Hopefully with all these international roster slots open, they can bring in some real quality and they can be successful.
1: Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about players that they are looking for because like you said they have 10 international spots so it looks like there are multiple players that are going to be coming into vancouver but there is one player that i've seen floating around and i'm i'm going to apologize in advance for botching this pronunciation bear Casido, i think uh, he yes caseto caseto yeah
2: from Colombia, correct
1: yes yeah but what's interesting about this uh, manuel fate who friend of the podcast on transfer market wrote a Or article about it that obviously yeah Casado linked with the Whitecaps but Nashville hold discovery rights apparently which I don't know if because the deal was between Vancouver and Nashville if discovery rights have any part of that but maybe this is just a sign that Casado's coming in Um, that seems to be like the one name that is constantly popping up but like you, the doc says I mean there's 10 of these international spots so there's so much more than just Casado coming in and I think fans are pretty frustrated because all the money that the club see from Alfonso Davies it doesn't feel like they're doing a whole lot with it and the team's just trash and it's just a dumpster fire in Vancouver so Casado only name that's consistently popping up on my radar um, but outside of that no idea but they have they got the game, they got the slot, so I don't see what's really stopping them from making a whole lot of moves in the offseason.
2: I have seen Kaiseido linked quite a bit on Twitter and from the Vancouver Whitecaps people who I follow. They seem to really like him. He sounds very good, uh, so hopefully that would be a good addition for them, but we'll have to wait and see whether or not he ends up there. Let's move on to managers because we've already mentioned one of these guys' names, um, which was Gabriel Heinze who is joining Atlanta uh, after our massive mispronunciation for the last two to three weeks, uh, or two to three episodes of calling him Gabriel Hines. Um, Do you guys think he is a good fit for Atlanta? Uh, What are your sort of expectations for him?
3: I could not be more, well, no, I could be more jacked up if the club had managed to get Mauricio Pochettino, or Marcelo Bielsa himself, but this is literally the next best thing. I am so extremely excited to see what he can do with Atlanta. I'm excited for how he's going to change the culture and turn things around. I'm excited for how hard this guy works, honestly. Uh, I just started watching the Leeds United documentary on Amazon. I don't know if you guys have seen it or heard about it, but it's basically it's about... It takes place about the time Bielsa takes over in the club, and we all know what kind of effect he had on the club. He brought them up back into the Premier League this season where Leeds are playing now. But seeing what goes on behind the scenes, how passionate Bielsa is, how much work he puts in, it's really exciting to have another Bielsa back in Atlanta. Worked great with Tata. I don't know that Heinze will be as successful in terms of trophies. Looking back, it's really impressive that martino won a trophy as a as a, a foreign manager because he's like the only one in the last eight or nine years i think so i don't know how many uh how much silverware heinze is going to win atlanta but man am i excited to see them play every single week i love watching san jose because matias almeida is a blcista, and i'm i bet we're gonna get the same like was it heavy metal football that that we're so used to seeing from San Jose, but now from Heinze. So I'm really, really, really excited. Drew, how are you feeling about finally having a manager again?
1: It's really funny that you mentioned Marceau Bielsa because uh, it was after Heinze was announced in Leeds was playing Manchester United, I think. And I was like, okay, like, Marcia Bielsa, like, I'm going to watch Leeds. I'm going to dissect. Like, I'm going to get everything I need to know about this A guy. And Leeds proceeded to get smacked. I was like, oh, crap. Like, we suck. We're going to get relegated. (laughs) But since I have calmed down, and I am very excited about this.
2: We're going to get relegated in a league that doesn't have relegation.
1: Honestly, relegate Cincinnati. Hot take. Um, But I am very excited about this. Uh, yeah, I think it fits. It, it's hard. I'm. I have to fight myself in thinking this is just going to be Tata Martino 2.0. Like I think it's very unrealistic to expect this guy to win MLS Cup in two years, which is only a two-year contract, by the way. I think we should note that, which is interesting because that's how long Tata Martino stayed. Um, but I think it's it's appropriate to be excited because we finally have a manager. That I think it's going to be really exciting. And going to that Club America game, which we'll talk about in a second, just ending on a good note, winning that game, having a manager that fits this style that Atlanta United supporters love from 2018-2017 is just exciting. But I'm fighting the temptation to hold this guy to the same standard as Tata Martino because he's coming in, new team, new country. I don't even even know how moving from Argentina to Atlanta is going to be right now with all this going on. So I'm I'm very excited. I think Atlanta has a right to be super excited. I think Atlanta's going to be one of the better teams in the East very soon, whether or not they win the Eastern Conference. I don't know about that. But I'm excited. I think better days are in Atlanta United's future. But I'm hesitant to I think Atlanta fans are very quick to say it's just like 2018 again. Like this is going to be 2018 all over again. We'll win MLS Cup. It'll be fine. I don't think it's that yet but I there's reason for optimism so it's very I it's understandable to be very excited about this because I'm very pumped for LA United's future
3: two things I wanted to touch on in what you said and all that the the Manchester United Leeds United game it was brutal and Leeds got ripped apart pretty easily especially by Scott McTominay that being said one of the hallmarks of a, a Bielsa style team is their fitness levels and how they won't quit no matter what. So, if you're like me and you started watching that Manchester United Leeds game at the end when it was already like 6 to 1, then honestly if the score wasn't up there, you probably would have thought the teams were tied because of how Leeds were still running around like madmen in the 73rd minute. So, I'm excited to never watch a team quit again, hopefully. Same thing with San Jose. You're probably used to seeing them. They run forever. It's incredible. Their fitness levels are outstanding. The other thing I I think is important for Atlanta fans to realize is Tata Martino was – he's heavily influenced by Bielsa, but he's not – it's not the end-all, be-all for him. He changed his tactics when he had to. He is pragmatic when he has to be. Best example of it, MLS Cup playoffs in 2018 – he just turned Atlanta into a counterattacking side. He said, we're going to sit back. We're going to sit with five in the back. We're going to absorb some pressure. We're going to get the ball to Miguel Almaron, and we're going to spring a counter and then we're going to punish teams that way because we're fast enough and skilled enough to do it. They did it. They got the trophy. Martino never really played. He never had the team play like that for the majority of his time. The difference between him and Heinze is Heinze is never going to change his tactics. Heinze is always going to have the team playing the same exact way. He's very rigid in that way, so... I could see this team under him maybe winning a trophy like a supporter shield. But when it comes to becoming pragmatic and changing your tactics to win in, say, an elimination tournament, I don't know that this team will have the same success they had under Martino. But I, for one, am just excited to watch this kind of style in a team that I care so much about. That, to me, honestly, if Atlanta loses most of their games or they don't, win the conference so they don't win MLS Cup, that's going to be fine with me because I'm going to enjoy watching them no matter what.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just going back to that Leeds game, I mean I was I was kidding because obviously Manchester United has a pretty deep wallet compared to Leeds United, but I'm very excited about it because the only United does not have that wallet issue when it comes to signing
3: players. I don't know. I would be embarrassed if I was Leeds losing to a small club
1: like that. Oh boy. <laughs>
2: It's exactly <laughs> what we needed, all the Manchester United fans to come at our heads.
1: If they're small, what is Arsenal? Those, those fans don't
3: exist anymore. All the Man U fans you know, they, they're, not, they're not around anymore. They're Liverpool fans now.
2: Oh my god, we're... true. <laughs> I think we kick Plastic them off the podcast for that yeah. one, because I don't want to deal with all the United fans. United fans, don't go after us. Josh. Josh, go after Josh. Leave us alone, please. (laughs) Although, follow us on Twitter. We'd love that. Uh, But go after Josh. We're not a part of this. Just a shocking take, Josh. Just shocking. But not shocking, at least in my opinion. Greg Vanny is reportedly on his way to LA Galaxy. Who saw this coming? Said absolutely no one. What do you guys think about the move? Potential move. Good, bad, good fit, bad fit. Will Greg Vanny save the LA Galaxy? How long will it take Greg Vanny to save the LA Galaxy? What are your thoughts on all this?
1: Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Again, I'm not shocked because I think we all knew about this. Um, And we didn't know about it, but when it happened, we were all like, he's going to go to Galaxy, right? Yeah, he is. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the Galaxy are kind of in a dumpster fire right now. Like, the team is just not good, and... It has this brand across the world of being one of the best teams in MLS, right? If you don't know anything about MLS, you know about the LA Galaxy, and you just assume the Galaxy are good. Well, the bad news is the Galaxy are actually terrible. They're one of the worst teams in the league, but insert Greg Vanny, who I think came to Toronto 2014-ish. Connor's not on his head, so I think I'm right. August, August
2: 2014.
1: August 2014, a great day, a great month in Toronto FC history. Because now look at them; they're one of the super clubs in MLS. So Greg Vanney, I'm not saying it's going to be Toronto 2.0, because I think what he did in Toronto is going to be pretty stinking hard to replicate. But if he can do it in Toronto, why can't he do it in Los Angeles? Right? He built Toronto from really bad. I think I don't know what they finished in 2014, but then three years later, 2017, they're winning the Shield, they're winning MLS Cup, they're a penalty shot away from winning CONCACAF Champions League. So I I think it's exciting. I think Galaxy fans should be super excited about it. Um, I think it's a great fit, like we talked about. We kind of all assumed it was happening, but now we're getting tweets from Grant Wall, was the one who reported that, that it's getting closer and closer and becoming more and more official. So I'm super pumped about it. I think Galaxy fans should be excited. Josh, what are you thinking about Vanny, reportedly on his way to the Galaxy?
3: I think it's a, a good move for them. As a former player, I think he's going to be very driven to turn around their culture and whatnot and just how poor they've been over the last four or five years now. So, yeah, like you were saying, not a huge surprise. People were saying Fanny should go there like as soon as he announced his resignation from Toronto. And it looks like that's happening. I think he'll probably do a good job guess we you know we'll wait and see and we'll uh we'll find out i'm interested to see if he can get anything out of chicharito that's that's gonna be my biggest thing for him can he get production out of this guy that was literally a huge deal only 11 months ago and is now not as big a deal
1: do we know how long chicharito's contract is
3: probably at least two (laughs) probably at least two years maybe three
2: you know it's Chicharito is a very similar situation as what he dealt with uh, in Toronto with Jermaine Defoe. Aging striker who struggled mightily, and then he sold him. And he got Josie Altador out of it. So, we'll see. We'll see whether or not LA Galaxy bring in Eric Zavalleta, because that could be hysterical. Um, But, as a former TFC fan, I think this is a good move by LA Galaxy. He'll hopefully fit well into their system. He'll create a good system. Uh, he's got some serious talent there, obviously. So we'll see what he does and how if he ends up there because we still don't know. Uh, but we should move on because we're an hour and six minutes into this episode. And we have yet to talk about any of the Champions League games. So let's not mention the next firing until we talk about the game that this person was subsequently fired for. Uh, but we'll start off with the NYCFC. Can we call it a game? I think I might call it a assault. Uh, it was a friendly. It was a friendly
3: for T. Grace and a CCL match for NYCFC.
2: I don't even know if it was a friendly. This was like playing the little high school team down the street from them. Oh. That was embarrassing. Lost five nothing. Uh, and oddly, I found it odd. Why did Sean Johnson not start for an NYCFC?
1: He was a close COVID contact.
2: Ah, got it.
1: I think they had a lot of pretty key players that were not in that game. I don't know if they were all because close COVID contact, but they were missing some pretty big names. I don't think that would have made a difference because, like you said, it was like playing a JV team. But something to note, they were missing some good players.
2: Let's move on from that game because uh, who cares? Next up, Montreal.
1: I do want to mention um, Gignac, his celebration where he leaned on the post in honor of Thierry Henry, was the coolest thing I have probably ever seen in North American soccer. I don't know anything about this guy, but I want him in MLS as soon as possible.
2: <laughs> I know a little bit about him uh, from our fun past, shall we say. Uh I'm sure he... Rem- Fun
1: pass. Did you, like, run into him on the street or something? Sounds like you guys got into a fight in Toronto or something. I'm sure
2: he remembers his time in Toronto quite well, even <laughs> though he didn't meet me. He just played in a very cold night Met in February. Connor
1: in the street.
2: Yeah, he played in a very cold night in February in Toronto, and shall we say, it didn't go very well for him. But he can forget about that because he's going to the Champions League final, which Toronto seeded and then lost. But hopefully... The team we talk about later can do better. Next up, Montreal Impact lost to Olympia, 2-2. Two to two. Um, Olympia obviously winning on-away goals. <sighs> do we really have to talk about this?
3: No, we can probably just skip to the, the two games, or three games, I guess, that we care most about. The, the two best teams, the two teams that won games.
1: Montreal won the second leg, but they lost in aggregate. So I think it was a solid ending right. for Montreal season, but yes. That's
3: that's fair. That they, they good for them for winning in an in international
1: game.
2: Sure. Against
1: That's all we got.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> we don't have much to add to this Montreal game. Uh, next game, you guys probably have something to add to though. Atlanta falling to Club America three to one on aggregate after a one to nothing win. How did that happen?
1: They got smacked 3-0 in leg one and then came back and won one nothing in the second leg.
2: No, how did they win?
1: Oh, how did that happen? Oh, I have no idea. That's a better <laughs> question. Um, no, but yeah, that game was fun. It was weird. Like Josh could probably say the same. Like it was weird watching LA and United Soccer and being like, holy crap, we're going to win this game. And I mean, it was pretty hard to ask for to think that they were going to win 3-0 but there were some solid chances that Ochoa had to make some pretty big saves. I think Franco Escobar had a chance where I think he kind of miss it, it, forced Ochoa to make a big save. I think Barco had a good chance that got saved. And then, obviously, the goal that um, Georgia Bello assisted to, I am totally blanking on the goal scorer's name, but it was like his first touch of the whole game don't, and he scored don't a goal.
3: Disrespect Jackson Conway. Jackson like that.
1: Conway. Oh, man. His first touch of the game. I think he's his, 19 his years old. His first
3: career touch ever with the Atlanta United first team. First time he ever touched a ball for the first team.
1: And assisted by George Bell. That was phenomenal. So, but I mean, it was good. Like, I thought Marcelino Moreno played really well. I'm very excited about him. Um, but yeah, like they were just good. That was fun. Later, I think, I think it's something to say that Club America just isn't very good. I think they're kind of overrated, which we might talk about in a second with LAFC. But I think Club America just played this, soak it in, don't let it get three nothing soccer. But it was a good. I mean, when we talk about LA United, like it felt like two weeks ago the world was ending, and now we have a solid manager, everyone's excited about, and we just beat Club America again. So it's exciting time. I thought they played good. I thought. 3-0 wasn't that far away. Uh granted Club America had a couple chances that they'd miss. I remember a free kick that just that was phenomenal, but just went high. But Atlanta played really good. Um Moreno was really good beside that really dumb red card that he got. But I thought Bello played really good. I thought Frick of played good. Um yeah, I think it was a solid just the beginning of a really good week for Atlanta, and I think something to be really looking forward to in twenty twenty one. Uh Josh, what did you think about Atlanta? Pull up what, would you call it an upset winning one though no. what'd you think about the LA Uniteds win
3: no it, it was a pointless game I mean no one everyone knew Atlanta wasn't gonna come back uh, so so a couple of things first of all yeah club of America they didn't even try that hard right first of all second of all with the benefit of hindsight we know they suck anyway currently so that both of those things out of the way that being said no I mean Atlanta looked great really they they looked like a team with confidence they looked like a team knowing that a new coach was on the way and they had somebody that they needed to play for and impress and show that they are still worthy of being on this team when the 2021 season starts. So they, they definitely looked motivated and driven. Really cool moment for, our, for our homegrown player George Bellow to assist on homegrown player Jackson Conway's first ever goal for the club. Huge deal. Really cool moment, especially because both those guys, they played soccer when they were kids, when they were like single-digit age. So for them to be like a decade later playing together for Atlanta United, their hometown club, is is really, really cool, really special, and shows that hopefully the model is working for Atlanta to get some of their homegrown players through. Uh, outside of that, I mean, Eric Lopez was was easily my favorite. I'm, I'm glad he slipped your mind, Drew, because I, I, now I get to talk about him. But no, he he looked great. It's so good to see someone that we've talked about for like half a year at this point, and to know that they actually do exist and they're pretty good. Like that was just like the icing on top. All I wanted was for Atlanta to look competent and they did that and more. And now we have players like Moreno and Lopez and getting Joseph Martinez back. Like these are all players that we can be excited for and to have a new manager. So, you know, good for Atlanta for finishing out their season strong, but, uh, yeah, very, very good, good win. They are now three and two against, uh, Mexican teams. So that's, that's pretty cool.
2: There is some interesting stuff breaking on Twitter right now in terms of the U.S. Men's National Team or U.S. National Team Twitter side of things, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, yeah, don't, don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, we can talk about it off air. Um, just, yeah, some people are terrible. Let's leave it at that. Let's talk about LAFC, who are not terrible because they stomped Club León, beat them 3-2 to two in the first round, Big Cruz Azul, 2-1 in the second round. And finally, they played Club America. 3-1 in the semis. They won with a red card in the first half from Eduard Atuesta, who will now likely, uh, according to Bob Bradley, not be available because they don't believe that it will be overturned. Uh, How do we sum up this match in... Not 45 minutes of discussion because, wow, is all I have to Con-ca-caf. say.
1: Conca-calf. That's how you describe it. Conca-calf.
2: <laughs> you know what? That's a good description because that, Matt, I didn't see the first half. I only saw the second half. But just wow. Just Wow. What are your guys' feelings on everything that happened? How do you think the Miguel Herrera stuff went? And we'll talk about him afterwards. Um, how do you think about the Eduard Atuesta thing? Carlos Vela coming out of the second half and doing what he did. What are your thoughts on all that?
3: Do you, Do we want the hot takes now or do you want me to
1: save them?
2: Depends on what they're about. You said
1: Manchester United was a small club, so let's just let's have it at this point. Well, that was that's
3: that's (laughs) not a hot take. That's just trolling. I'm just straight up trolling at that point. But this this my thoughts on this are not as they're not trolling at all. They're like legitimate, like definitely going against the grain. Yay or nay? Do you do we want like happy positive thoughts? In In that case, Drew, you should probably go before me.
1: I think we have the same hot take. I'll I'll I.
3: That LAFC is undeserving of winning that. Oh CCL. no! Oh shoot! Final? Nope. Okay. You
1: just right. you. Oh god! That's <laughs> not what I thought was gonna come out of your mouth. Um, but uh, yeah, I will start us off, and I kind of connected to that. I just think Club America is not good. Like this team is not very good. We. I mean, I think Atlanta. We just talked about it, And They like yeah, it was a good win, but Club America like. That just wasn't good. I mean, Carlos Vela just demolished them. I think it was like two goals in like a minute and a half coming out of halftime. And talking about the whole incident with uh, Ochoa and Atuesta and then leading over into the teams going into the half with Herrera with a walkie-talkie on the sideline, which is the most CONCACAF thing ever. That was just poor handling. Um, I, first off, I thought... The incident leading up to it, I thought that was a penalty. I don't remember who did it, but I think Twista was making a run to the box, and the America player went for it. And it kind of looked like he second-thought himself, and it looked like he a Twista in the hip, which made him go down. So I thought it was a penalty. So Twista was down, maybe selling it a little bit, but that's how the sport works, right? Um, and then, yeah, Ochoa, I thought that was pretty bad. Um, this comment, I have no idea what he was saying to him, but then Twista reacted like that, and then Ochoa falls down. It leads to this whole incident. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not, not as hot take as Josh's, but I just don't think Club America was that good. I think firing Herrera was the right thing to do because they are a very big club, very big brand in just soccer in general, especially Mexican soccer, right? And to lose to one of the worst teams in MLS. You lost to them one nothing, and then you go on and lose to a 10-man LAFC side because Carlos Vela just demolished your entire franchise in two minutes, after Ochoa pulled that, and then Herrera pulled that, it's not looking good. So I'm not focusing too much on LaFC. I'm not. Don't have the best thoughts about this final against Tigres. But they beat three Mexican teams. Well, they beat the champions in Leon. They beat uh, da, 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 Cruz Azul in that one in that one game, and then they come out and beat Club America. Uh, so. I don't think I'm as hot take as Josh. I think they earned their spot. They had a pretty tough road, and here they are. I'm not too optimistic about this final against Tigres, but America's just not good. That They're just not a good soccer team, and I think they realize that, and they're making the necessary changes. So with that, I will leave it up to Manchester United as a small club Josh here, <laughs> and you or Connor, whichever one of you guys want to fire away, I'm, I'm all ears. I
2: just want to hear what Josh has to say.
3: Okay, so I oversimplified things when I said LAFC is undeserving. What I what I meant to say is LAFC is undeserving of the credit that should come to being the first MLS team to win CCL. The reason why... Well, I'll get into that in a second.
1: I'll you think they somewhere. win? You think they beat Tigres tomorrow?
3: No, they'll definitely beat... Uh, we'll get there in a second. Okay, so, <laughs> back, so back to Miguel Herrera and Club America. W- one thing that has been mentioned is Club America are missing a bunch of... Of starters, they're missing. They're missing like five players from COVID and other things, injuries and whatnot, from finishing up their season. So let's not put too much stock into LAFC beating Club America, especially when you just had the like worst version of Atlanta United of all time also beat Club America. Like, let's let's not overblow. It's, it's nothing special. Like Drew said, Club America sucks. They're also missing like some important players. So let's not put too much stock in that whole thing. As for Herrera getting fired, I think it's hilarious. Like, dude, you can't beat, you can't beat MLS teams. Like, you, you lost to Atlanta two years in a row now, so that's, like, also a pretty big deal. So good, good for Club America for letting him go. There's nothing, like, the Mexican press hate more than Liga MX teams losing to MLS teams. It's like, it's like the end of the world to them. So for it to happen, for it to happen twice in one week for Club America is, is pretty satisfying from, from an outsider perspective. Back to LAFC. First of all, huge, major, major props to them for winning against Club America. They straight up got concacaft and then they said, "No, we don't care. We're gonna win anyway." So, the the mental fortitude that that team has is is really impressive, especially when you kind of look at their track record and you see that, you know, they they tend to lose in these sort of situations. So, really good for them. It helps that you have the best player on this continent in Carlos Vela. Like, they just let him kind of take over and. That's all they needed at the end of the day. So it helps to have that player on your team. So my issue with this, with with the CCL. So I do think LaFC is going to win. T- beat T-Grace. I really do. And the reason why is because it's a single elimination game. Do, do, like do we under like do we understand the. Chances of upsets and single elimination are higher than, you know, in any other scenario. If this was a normal tournament and we were doing two legs, no chance LAFC even makes it to the final in the first place, right? It's also totally unfair that they only had to play a knockout game for their quarterfinals, whereas Montreal and Atlanta and NYFC had to play their their second leg. I know in most cases, you know, with T-Grace, NYFC... And Atlanta United and Club America, they were probably not going to come back in the second leg. You know, that's that's fine. That's all well and good. But the fact that they had to play a two legs and LAFC got away with playing it was one more leg,
2: beneficial for the MLS teams that they got to play a second leg.
3: No, it's not, and the reason why is because Liga MX teams are better and deeper. Uh, Montreal Olympia aside, when it comes, but to it the gave MLS, them a chance a,
2: to catch up.
3: But it's easier to just win in ninety minutes than it is to catch up in ninety but, minutes.
2: But they weren't going to wipe the slate clean. There was always going to be that first game, so either they were just going to be eliminated, or
3: I know. And and I'm saying it's and I'm saying it's an advantage to LAFC that the pandemic hit the world the day that it did, because LAFC just had to play one knockout game. Of course, they were going to beat Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul just finished their season. They're they're. They're whatever at the end of their season. They just got, what was it? Oh, they got embarrassed. They have that curse. They can't win Liga MX. So they're literally reeling from that. And instead of having to play LAFC across two legs, the, the, a single elimination game favors the weaker team. That's just how it works. That's why teams go on on underdog runs.
2: I don't think LAFC is the weaker team, though.
3: They are, they are a weaker team than both Cruz Azul and Tigres. Right now, Club of America is terrible, so I think they deserve to beat Club of America. But, but my point is, if this was a normal CCL tournament and they had to play a two-legged final, which is what it normally is, no chance they would beat Two Grace. because it's a single elimination game.
2: How come there's no chance
3: Pierre though? is not even going to play. I don't like if Toronto can do
2: it. Why can't LAFC do it? They they are. But but Toronto didn't do it. They did do it. Yeah, and they beat Tigres. You're saying they made the final. No, but they beat Tigres, so that's, it's just possible. But I'm like saying, you're saying... Yes, just yeah. because it's like... Yeah, no. Okay, I, I'd, it's,
3: it's possible for LAFC to beat Tigres. I'm not saying it's impossible. Toronto have shown that it's possible. They're a soccer team. Any soccer team can lose to any soccer team in the world. That's how soccer works. My point is, if this was going to be a two-legged affair, I don't think LAFC would win. Because it's single elimination, I think LAFC is going to win. And I think it's an advantage to LAFC that they only have to play a single elimination tournament unlike the rest of us.
2: I disagree. Because I think LAFC are going into this match shorthanded. They're not gonna have Atuesta.
3: Why? Because they don't have Edward Atuesta. Look, I mean I'll give you that, but Tigres are gonna be missing their best player and Andre Pierre Jignac. He's he's probably not gonna play either. How come? He's injured. How when did he get injured? I don't know. I saw something about it today. He's doubtful.
1: MLS put something out like three he, hours he, ago. He's, he's doubtful, doubtful to play in the game. And Javier Aquino, Javier Aquino, Aquino. So two guys for Tigres that are doubtful.
2: Okay, are you done on your little rant, Josh? I'll let you keep going.
3: One more thing I'll add to it before we get done. Everyone wants to add an asterisk to the 2020 season, like in all sports, like everybody is itching to do that. And I don't really think it necessarily applies in every case, but if there was one situation where an asterisk needed to go to the winner, it would be this CCL tournament.
2: Here is what I have to say about the CCL. I think these last six matches show that there is less of a gap between League MX and MLS than people think. Because this is the first time MLS and League MX have been on an even playing field. Both have just wrapped up their seasons. Both have dealt with COVID. This is the first time in Champions League. <laughs> you're losing your mind. This
3: This is this is only driving me crazy because you're absolutely right in that teams are on even playing fields, but there is only one team that was actually on an even playing field with the League MX competition, and it's L E F C. Because all the other MLS teams were already in a hole. And therefore, it wasn't even. It wasn't even
2: Exactly.
3: LAFC is the only team that got the benefit of having an even, an even exactly. chance. Exactly. Which is why it bothers me. And they shouldn't get that much credit if they win.
2: I still think they should get a lot of credit. Because they still beat the Mexican teams. And your argument of this not being an even playing field... Yes, in terms of the last games. This was an even playing field. But in this tournament, if we look at just this tournament specifically... This shows... MLS teams can beat these teams, apart from NYFC, FC. But we won't talk about that. Well, for they're they they did not even have a their striker is out with an ACL injury. Like they just sold their best player. Okay, I don't think they're a part of MLS's best, honestly. But my argument is this is the most even that this ch- tournament and this championship has ever. Been in the history of the Champions League, because Liga MX haven't started early, they aren't in mid-season form yet. They're in the exact same position as MLS teams, and MLS teams have gone in there and they have won. They've been successful. Anybody from Mexico who tries to out, like say, this is BS. Like Liga MX are obviously still better. Look at this tournament. Just look at this tournament. Every Champions League, it is unfair in Mexico's favor and it isn't a fair playing field for the MLS clubs and the other Central American clubs, although I don't know all their schedules. This is the first time that MLS have been on an even playing field and they've won. That is my biggest argument. That's my biggest takeaway from this tournament, no matter what happens in the final. It's unbelievable what LAFC have done beating Lyon, Cruz Azul, and Club America already. It's the same situation as when Toronto beat Club America and Tigres and then lost a heartbreaker in penalties to Chivas Guadalajara. Is it on the same playing field as what TFC did? No. Is it still impressive? Yes. I would argue it is still incredibly impressive with what they've been able to do because all those games didn't happen in that bubble. They still beat Lyon in regular play. They've been a very, very good team. And I don't think we're giving them enough credit. And they did that first match. They didn't have Carlos Vela, did they? Or was that when he got hurt?
3: They had Carlos Vela for all of their CCL matches. They did?
2: Okay. So the Carlos Vela point doesn't stand. But they still did that. And I think we need to look at that because they weren't one of the best teams in MLS. Were they a top five team? If they had Carlos Vela, yes, but they didn't have Carlos Vela. So they're a top five team in the league. Are they the best team in the league? I don't think so. And they're still doing this to Mexican teams in an, on an even playing field. That's my biggest takeaway from this tournament. That's what I think other people's biggest takeaways from this tournament should be because I find this incredibly impressive, what they've done. And if they manage to beat Tigres tomorrow night, they'll A, make history. B, show that MLS is for real. This gap between Liga MX and MLS is continuing to get smaller and smaller. And while Liga MX fans hate to hear it, it's true. Also, Liga MX and MLS should combine. My rant is over.
1: I think, gosh, how do I follow up those two rants? That's phenomenal. Um, I think, first off, I agree that the gap is getting smaller and smaller. Honestly, I think you can make the argument that the gap isn't even there anymore, right? Because I think top to bottom, MLS is just, it's good. There's not this random top tier. You don't have the same Club Americas rolling in, the same Cruz azul León, uh, Guadalajara, which I don't think Guadalajara even made Champions League this year. But I think... The most impressive thing about LAFC's run is that round of 16, right? They go down 2-0 to León and come back. Like, there's no, like no one gave them a chance. These are like the champions in Mexico, and they come back and win 3-0. And the Cruz Azul thing, yeah, it was a one-off game. Um, but honestly, I think you can make the argument that their path has gotten easier the deeper they've gotten into this tournament because they had the defending champions down 2-0, made that comeback. Cruz Azul, pretty good. They win that game. As we've discussed at Link Club America, isn't that good. Right. I think the path is not going to get easier tomorrow night because Tigres is really good. Obviously, if they don't have Gignac, G- I can't talk today. Uh, that's going to make it a little bit easier. But I I'm not slapping an asterisk by this because of how crazy this year has been. Um, coming back from 2-0 down to Lyon is absolutely phenomenal. I don't know how they did it, and I forgot they honestly did it because February feels like five years ago. But
2: <laughs> That's an understatement.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's – I mean, I, I just want to know what Bob Bradley said to LAFC at halftime because they went through all that stuff. You're having a player sent off, and then out comes the best player in CONCACAF and just shows us why he's the best player in CONCACAF, two goals in a minute and a half. So I just want to know what Bob Bradley said to his team because that locker room talk must have been stuff of legend to get the team kicking like that. But it's interesting. We'll see how it plays out tomorrow night. If LAFC even win CONGEF Champions League, maybe they make history, become the first team in MLS history to do so. We don't know. But super excited about that game. If you guys don't have anything to add, we'll wrap this up. I was just going to say we need to do more debates
2: like that because that's fun. And I think this makes great content. Uh,
1: We have an entire off season to do so. Exactly.
2: We also need to get more guests on, but actually let us know which guests you want to have. What you English is hard. Sometimes let us know.
1: We need to get Daniel Garza back on our local LAFC. Exactly.
2: If LAFC win tomorrow night, if we do a podcast next week, I say we try to get him on and we still need to get, we've been saying this for weeks. We still need to get Alex Windley on. To talk about whatever's happening in miami uh, and but I want to hear what people want who people want to have us bring on because uh odds are nobody will tell us, but I'd still love to hear it uh Josh, do you have anything to add to that, or shall we just let Drew end this ninety plus minute episode? <laughs>
1: Yeah, thanks guys so much for listening. I uh, really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to hear us, us hear us ramble about major league soccer and everything about it. Um Again, as always, feel please visit the website uh, MLSmultiplex.com as the off-season happens and Champions League comes to its conclusion. Our riders are cranking out really awesome stuff uh, to keep the off-season filled with content. Um, and follow the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex. And as usual, follow us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. To keep up with all the fun rants just like this one as we get to our thumb and our keyboards on our phones. Um, so, and please leave reviews on this podcast. We love hearing how we can get better, and hearing about guests that you guys might want on the show. So, we really do appreciate hearing feedback from you guys. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I'll uh, be sure to tune in next week as we recap Concacaf Champions League final and the inevitable craziness that's going to come from Major League Soccer out of this next week. So, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time.
2: Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.